Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. It is a Monday edition of Flyers Daily, and the Flyers will start a five-game homestand coming up tomorrow night. Uh, five tough opponents that we'll talk about as we look at the week ahead with our usual Monday guest. It is Mondays with Meltzer from PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, NHL.com, and HockeyBuzz.com. It is Bill Meltzer. Bill, how you doing? I'm doing well. Had a nice holiday weekend with my family. Hope you did with yours. Oh, that's great. Yeah, it, it was. Um, it was. It, it's like a disjointed week in the NHL because we're so not used to playing Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Yeah, for sure. But uh, you get back to normal. You have the back to back on Saturday. That was an even footing back to back because the Islanders were on one as well. But Bill, where I want to start is uh, in advance of recording this. I jumped on my social media for some unknown reason, and I see that Torts is not only trending, but still trending. And um, I know that there was a, a lot of discussion online on the social media uh, about his availability after the Islanders game. And I think Tort said before the game that he wasn't going to speak on individual players, especially right after a game. He's a guy that likes to look at the tape. And I think we all know about Torts as well is that he's a guy – that will go to the ends of the earth to protect his players, oftentimes making him the enemy, taking the crosshairs off the player. I heard that a lot from guys that played for him in kind of my conversations with former players uh, this summer, learning about torts. And I don't think anybody should be surprised by that at all. No, for, for sure. Um, you know, sometimes I'll hand around what he's talking about, but he doesn't directly throw guys under the bus, as you said, particularly after, after a game on a, uh, on an off day after a practice, he'll field, I think a wider array of questions. Usually his answer is that, that I need to look at the tape. Um, now there are some games, uh, like, uh, he, some games he'll have, he'll have a feel for how the guy played and, and he, and he'll, you know, he'll answer, uh, in, in, a, in a direct kind of a way, but I mean, but tip, typically speaking, he'll say he needs to look at the tape and then the day after uh, win or lose, you know, you're you're a little, you're in a different frame of mind usually, and um, you know I've I've often found that with both players and coaches, um, but especially with coaches and um, you know and particularly a coach like Torts, I think you get more in the day after than right after a game. Anyway, you know you're mm-hmm. still you're still cooling off after a game. The the emotion of it hasn't worn off yet, and after a tough loss in particular, you know it it can be uh, it can be a tough ask. Um, you know, I, I, I didn't um, – I, I don't know. I mean, the, I, I think the one time I think John Kemp a little small was the was the postgame that he wasn't there for. Yeah. I, I, I do think that uh, – I do think some kind of an answer, whether it was it's team-related and I'm not commenting further or it was a personal matter and I'm not, I'm not commenting further, I, I, I think that a, a better response than none of your business was in order. But yeah. but other than that, I, I think I think Torch has been terrific. Yeah. And do you think that was a learned behavior by him? Because a lot of times coaches will say, I need to look at the tape because they know that if they answer it now, they'll regret how they answer it. Because, you know, wins and losses for competitors and, you know, is highly emotional and you can get caught up in what you're saying and relive the emotion of the moment it happened in a game. And you could really eviscerate a guy. I'm imagining that's a bit of a learned stall tactic in a way. To, he may want to look at the tape to yeah. look at a player's game in total, um, but that, that to me could be a learned stall tactic is to protect himself from himself. 
No, for for sure, for sure. Um, if you go back even even a season ago, it was one of the Flyers' lengthy losing streaks, and and Mike Yo was the interim head coach at the time, and Mike let his emotions get the better of him, and, and he really ripped in to the team and and said, I, I guess things aren't sinking, and so we have to start benching guys. And then he was, you know, and then he realized, listen, you know, it was the emotion of the moment. Um, the effort wasn't actually all that bad, although the result was. And, and he clearly felt awful about it afterwards. It, it, it's exactly that that the coaches are trying to guard against, where, you know, you say something that you you later find yourself regretting. So it, it, it does stall it. I think you already had a sense as to how guys played or, or whatever. But um, but also sometimes you go in and you look at the tape and you you see you see the game pretty differently, actually. You know, mm-hmm. um, and, and I think I think um, we can do that in the media too. I, I went back. And I did, although although I couldn't subject myself to the whole thing, I did rewatch the Pittsburgh game for specific plays, and I thought, you know what, there were moments in this game where it could have taken different turns. You know, um, just just real quick with the example of that game. Well, listen, Pittsburgh turned over a puck thirty seconds into the game, right into Kevin Hayes' stick. Yep. Right, and uh, Noah Cates had a great scoring chance, and and it was stopped. But you score there, the, the crowd goes nuts. Just thirty seconds in. You know, all of a sudden, you know, all of a sudden, hey, you're off and you're running. Um, second period, you're you're losing two to nothing. It's less than two minutes into the second period. You have a two on one, and it was tucked wide in the net. It wasn't finished, but you you score. All of a sudden, it's two to one. Who knows, right? And that, that's just the way games go. There's there's those little moments that can swing a game, and I think when you when you get caught up in the final score of the game or the shot totals or whatever. You know, you, you realize that hey, it got out of hand. It was ugly, but there were there were little there were little moments that maybe could have changed the complexion of the game at least a little bit. And um, you know, and, and I think that's the value of, of waiting to give your assessment, where you you go back and you look in the good and the bad, and, and and you know you can I think give a more accurate, but also also a more detailed answer sometimes too. So I don't think it's a bad thing. Yeah, and you can see more in context that moment than how you remember it when it happened live on the bench. Um, you know, one of the other things, you know, the Washington game in particular, uh, I was kind of bent after the game. And I'm not a guy that complains about refereeing, but I felt there was too many men on the ice in the overtime. Yeah. As yeah. Dylan Strome was hopped over the bench, presented himself as an obvious option for the D to move the puck up the ice. And Kuznetsov was nowhere to be seen. He was definitely not within as the rule states, yeah. what, one and a half meters from the bench. Yeah. And the problem for me was that he was the option well before that, and then he crosses the neutral zone into the zone and sets up Ovechkin for the pass. Those things, I think, tend to balance out in a regular season. But, you know, I just looked at that and I said, you know, I don't know if the refs missed it or that's just they're going, eh, this is, would be ticky-tack in this spot. But anyway, um, you know, Bill, the one thing about sports, we're, we're mired in this 10-game winless skit again, 0-7-3. and and, you know, it's we've seen too many of these over the last two years and now quarter poll of this season. And sports are emotional. And I think fans have been very understanding about what this team has missing, what this team is, even at full strength with a lack of high end talent and and where they are and and all of those things. But in the moment of losing a 10th straight game again, in another season, I think is a very emotional thing for fans because they invest emotionally and they react emotionally. And I think we, we certainly saw that over the past 24 hours. The time for rational thought is not right now. No, it, 
you know, when you when you break it down as to you know, overall process or or as I, I was just doing a play here, a play there that might swing a game, it, it rings very hollow when it's when you're consistently losing. You know, you, you can do it you can do it for an individual game. All right, you know, you're you're playing kind of five hundred or whatever. You you can you can break down the game and it resonates a little bit more. You know, talking about scoring chances or this or that, oh, well, the five-on-five process has been better. The puck possession has been better. You know, it, it feels almost like you're you're not making excuses, but you're you're downplaying what's really going on, right? And, I mean, the, there, there are so many – you have to look at the bigger picture here where, you know – when you talk about the talent on the team, I think, you know, I don't think it's a lack of actual NHL players or NHL caliber players, including the young guys. But I think guys are playing too high in the lineup by necessity, mm-hmm. um, which gets them into tougher matchups. It it tests your depth. Maybe the low, you know, maybe the lower end of the lineup, you have you have too many fourth line types, yeah. you know, and, and too many fourth like, line types playing in the top six. You, well, precisely, precisely. And, um, you know, and it, you know, it, it, it kind of snowballs, um, you know, you, you go through something like this and, and, and I get it and, and I get it. No, nobody wants to talk about, oh, well, the, it was a winnable game when you didn't, when you didn't win another one. And it just, and, and I don't think the players want to, want to hear it either. Truthfully, it, 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 yeah. uh, it really does. It, it becomes mind numbing. And when you become the worst place you can be is when you're numb to losing and, and it becomes, and it's something that, it's something that, that, uh, Torres has talked about and I agree with him. You know, you have you have to guard against that mentality that you're just waiting to lose, yeah. Because it, it accepting a, it, yeah, and, and because it, it, it's a total self fulfilling prophecy. You know, yep. There's two things, Bill. You know, we're quarter pole of the season, quarter way through, whatever you want to call it. And there's two things that I have concerns about. Number one is, you know, the ability of the coaching staff to prevent the here we go again mentality go get heading into you know further games here you know through this road trip you mean these guys are hockey guys they're not stupid they're looking at this road this homestand rather and they see Colorado's coming in who won the cup last year and are obviously a very good team we see these opponents that are coming in on this you know Tampa just a year removed from back-to-back cups New Jersey who's won 14 of 15 right? The Islanders who they just saw in New York on Saturday and then Washington to close out the trip and they know what they're missing. And then the ability of torts to be able to tamp back that here we go again, we're beat before we step on the ice for warmups, I think is a fascinating thing. Um, How does he do that? And I'll get, I'll get to my second concern in a moment, but how does he beat that back is the question. It, it's really, really, really hard to do. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, it's not even – even when the team, if, we're, if they were to have pretty much all of their pieces, as, as we talked about before the season, they were going to have to – you know, they are going to have to outwork teams on a regular basis. And, you know, and and it, it, it's a very hard thing for a coach to do. And, you know, particularly for a coach who pushes us hard as towards does now I, I think that one thing that's been a positive is that 
even though there was, you know, I, I haven't seen this team quitting on many games. Even, you know, the Pittsburgh game was way too little, way too late. Right. But, uh, and Pittsburgh I mean, was been, completely it, off the gas. <laughs> yeah. 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 It, it was, it was, but with Pittsburgh with their foot off the gas, I mean, you know, that, that could have turned into something like one of those Rangers games from, yeah. from a couple of years ago. Easily, easily yeah. could have. I mean, you're, you're frustrated. You know, and, and then just it just gets to the point where, oh hell, whatever whatever the score is, it is just just take our beating. You know, so at least you know, I mean, the game was decided already. The game, the game was really, and you and I, you and I were were texting about it offline. You know, I I don't think anybody liked the fourth goal that Carter Hart gave up, but the game was over at three nothing, honestly. Yeah. Um, so you know that that's why him being pulled had nothing to do with his 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 play or that that particular goal um and that's never where you want to be but on the on the flip side to me it's almost harder when you have a game like the islanders game where you play them evenly in the first period you're with a better team in the second period you're tied 2-2 and then 20 over a course of 23 seconds it gets away from you yeah right and that th- those are the worst because you really you, you know you really did you played a team that's been hot that uh you know was you know, it's a, a very good hockey team, and you were in position to beat them. And then, you know, by the end of the night, you lose by three goals. And that's that to me is very disheartening. And that's that's the hardest thing to guard against. You know, um, what coaches try to do is they try to break it down into kind of bite-sized pieces. You know, we're we're not, you know, uh, I mean, there's a million cliches you could throw out there, but it's just, you know, go out. Have a good practice um, on Monday. Go in and, and have a good start on Tuesday. See where you can take that, and then you know go go period by period. That's really really all you can do because usually when you come out of a when you come out of a streak like this, it's been a long time since the Flyers had a really prolonged winning streak. But what you find when you have losing streaks like these is you have games like the Islanders game where you're in a position to win, or the game like the Montreal game. You're literally two seconds from winning in regulation, yeah, and uh, it, it ends up as a loss. And so you you find yourself losing games that you were in position to win. Um, uh, again, it's been a long time since we've had one of these the other way, but but you know when you have long winning streaks towards the end, you're winning games you have no business winning. Yeah, and yeah. your uh, hockey's not great. It's it's full of sloppiness, but you're getting away with it. it, it exactly, exactly, and so. You know, usually you have usually when you come out of one of these, it's incremental. So you you try to you try to put the increments in place, even if you lose that next game, towards a game where you're going to come out of it and you stabilize for you know because you now listen, I mean going going into uh, going into Washington, that it, it's weird. It's still weird to think the Flyers were still at hockey 500 going into that. Yeah, you know. Um, and I'm I'm not saying they're gonna have a, a fantastic week and all of a sudden they you know they're gonna win four in a row they're gonna sweep the homestand all of a sudden they're above hockey 500 and it's a whole you know hey we're not, you know what whatever I'm not I'm not saying that that's not reality right now reality is you have another tough game coming up and you're the underdog and you're gonna be underdog nightly right but but just just going in the the whole point is you're trying to you're trying to put things in place where you. You can build you can build up enough to where you're winning and you can you can at least stabilize for a period of time, right? And and maybe then start getting some bodies back. Um 
it, it has nothing to do with the standings or even wins and losses. You know, we, we, we said going in that it's all about the team competing. And I, I know, I know trying hard and having a chance to win that, that only flies for so long. Right. Yeah. But, but that's really, that's just where the flyers are right now. And it's the reality. Yeah. Um, one of the other things that I'm worried about is, you know, when Torch was hired, Bill, one of his first and foremost talking points was the first thing I'm going to attack is the room. And he called the locker room fractured. Use some other terms along the way and leadership and, you know, and standard and accountability and all those things kind of went hand in hand. But the first thing that he said he was going to attack was that room. And because you can't win when you have a fractured room. It's hard enough to win in this league to have a fractured room and try and win is impossible. And I'm worried in this sense because, you know, his room has never been populated properly. Couturier hasn't played a game. Cam Atkinson hasn't played a game. And you know Torts. He's not. He's the guy that I, I get the sense that if this guy's not in the lineup, I can't worry about him right now. You know what I mean? Because I can't write his name down as, you know, to put with this guy in this line and that kind of thing. He He's almost, you know, if you're not available, okay, you do what you got to do to get back. But I can't worry about that because I got a game to worry about or a next game or a practice to worry about. And I'm wondering how he's able to tackle the issue of a fractured room when he's got guys that pretty much mix the entirety of camp that are really important players for this team and guys that who knows when we're going to see him. It could be. For Cam Atkinson, it could be any week now, or we don't know. Or, you know, you look at the situation with Sean Couturier, it's still three, four months away. So how do you fix the fractured room when such key elements of the room are not in there? Extremely hard to do. Um, yeah. And you're limited. There's some Almost impossible, to. correct? Yeah. Oh, vir- virtually impossible. You, you can... You know, I, I think he's doing what he can do, and he's doing it in, in, in ways that um, really are, are – he's challenging some guys to set, set an example for others to follow. Um, I mean, listen, Kevin Hayes is a point-per-game player on this team. Best start of his career. Yeah. But, but best, yeah, best, best statistical start of his career from an offensive standpoint. He's been benched a period. He's been – uh, he started. He started a period on the fourth line. He's been moved to wing. You know, he's played played. And actually, I thought I thought last game on his off wing was one of his best games of the season. Yeah. So maybe that's know, the credit, way he can play with Faraby too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, credit credit Kevin Hayes because I thought he responded. I hated his game against Pittsburgh, but uh, but but I thought he I thought he really responded on the island the next you know the next night. Um, and. Uh, you know, and that's uh, that. That's what he can do. It's like you know what? It's it's not about how many points you're putting up. It's about the example you set off the puck. The exact, you know, just a just a general, uh, you know, willingness to back check. Are you overstaying your shifts? These are ways towards trying to say that hey, there is some accountability here anyway, and it, it's hard to do because it gets lost in the shuffle. But I did. I, but I, you know, but it, that that's really going to be an interesting relationship relationship to see how it keeps evolving the haze and torts. Cause there's, you know, there's definitely some pushback and forth you, you can see going on. And I mean, uh, you know, it, it still is ultimately you're going to play the way towards once you two, or you're going to be dropped online, but you're not going to play. And you can see even in the midst of a 10 game losing streak, he's done that. Right. 
So those those are the little things you can do. Um, they had the they had the game um, you know, the other night where, oh my God, you you you're you're so close to winning the the, uh, the Capitals game, and uh, suddenly there's a breakdown, a 200 foot rush, and in the post game press conference, and, and by the way, uh, I thought in that play there were numerous errors of commission and omission. It was like it was like a Gary Dornhofer special where mm-hmm. you stop the tape and you can show four different places where the play could have been broken up, right? It could have been broken in the neutral zone. It could have been, it, you know, uh, whether onside or offside, it could have been broken up at the line. It could have been broken up in the D zone, right? I mean, there, there were numerous guys, but the guy he pointed to was Ivan Provorov. He didn't say him by name. But he said we, we blew an easy assignment, and it wasn't one of the young guys. Well, all three forwards on the ice were young guys, so they left it deeper. I happen to know the answer to that. It's actually not Provorov; it was D'Angelo. It was D'Angelo. Yeah. Well, see, I, Bill, I watched yeah. it a hundred times, yeah. <laughs> trying to figure it out too, because yeah. I'm going. I, I I watched the rush attempt and the goal so many times, that they go, okay, this time I'm going to focus on Farabee. This time I'll focus. Yeah, on I did too. I did the same thing. <laughs> And, and I thought, and I thought, I thought Pro was, was rotated over a little too far. And gave up the middle. Yeah. And so yep. it goes to the middle, and all of a sudden it's a two-on-one, and you're leaving D'Angelo with two guys to cover, and he, he abandons his position. I mean, you were supposed to get the goalie, the shooter there, mm-hmm. you know? But, uh, I mean, to me, to me that was the final mistake and not the, uh, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, see, I, I mean, again. I first looked at it and thought, yeah. well, Farabee, because he kind of attacks at the line, but doesn't right. push him to the outside. Right and, and, right, and and Frost, because Kuznetsov gets past them. But he just and come he, off the bench, Frost. He, he had just he had just come off the bench, yeah. although although um, although he could have, you know, he, there was a play in the neutral zone uh, mm-hmm. you know, before they before they even gained the zone where it, the play could have been broken up. There was a little miscommunication as to who was covering there. Yeah. You know? Uh, and it's funny. It's kind of funny. The TNT broadcast, poor Noah Cates got blamed because yeah. he wasn't on the ice. But, and Frost uh, took the blame in postgame. He did, yeah, and that, that 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 good on Morgan to actually step up and say that was on me. I mean, so that was just one of those plays where, yeah, you know, I mean, as you can say, you know, pretty pretty much everybody except for Tippett because he was on the other side of the ice. Yeah, four, four of the five guys on the ice had, had plays they could have made that didn't make, but the the whole point is, you know, he focused on one, you know, one of his team leaders, one of his veterans who plays the most minutes, and wh- yeah. whether it's Brovy or whether it was D'Angelo or both of them. I, I don't, you know. But the the point being is that that um, he counts on those guys to set a standard, and uh, if if they're not leading by the right example, making the right plays, I'll call him out for it as he would any other player. So, you know, good on good on him for that. Yeah, and you know, I think that's part of the. Sometimes that frustrates fans too. You expect young players to make mistakes, especially mistakes of aggression or trying to make a play, but you don't expect that sometimes from your veteran players and you can't have it from your veteran players because you're, you're almost relying on some of these veteran players to be perfect because you have such little margin for error. I mean, Bill, they're 32nd in the league in goal scoring. It's, you know, just over two goals per game. It's, it's just such a hard way to win hockey games, trying to win two to one. You're just not going to do it. And they haven't, I mean, they have a two, one win in there not long ago over Ottawa on the road before the 10 game skid. Matter of fact, that might be their last win before the skid, but um, yeah, St. Louis, but yeah. Yeah. They beat St. Louis five to one, which is a rare night where they, you know, they put up a five spot, but 
Uh, you look at it right now and you just go, where are the goals going to come from? And it's almost amazing with this lack of scoring that Hayes is at a point per game pace. And, and no matter who they put him with, he's collected points, but Torts has made it really clear. You're not going to point your way out of my doghouse if you don't do the right things. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, that's that's good... the, yeah. So I was going to say those, those are the, the little things. Those are, the, those are the little, little things he can try to do. Yeah. Well, it's going to be an interesting week coming up. As I mentioned before, you know, Flyers got a five game homestand. Uh, we'll see the New York Islanders coming up tomorrow night. We'll see the Tampa Bay Lightning on Thursday. We'll see the Devils, who have won 14 of 15 games. Uh, coming up Saturday, then Monday against Colorado, the 5th, and then the 7th, they'll wrap up the homestand before heading out on the road to Vegas, Arizona, Colorado, and New Jersey. Uh, Five-game homestand coming up for the Flyers. Can you believe, Bill, that the New Jersey Devils finished two points ahead of the Flyers in the standings last year? No. No. And they were... Remarkable. Yeah. And uh, opening night, opening night, they still look not ready for prime time. I mean, the yeah. you know the, the Flyers handled them. In, in that first game, yeah. um, you know, I, I would never have predicted they would have gone on to the kind of run that they've had, um, you know, and they, they they come together nicely as a team. Well, it's funny because, you know, the, there was all the calling to, to fire Lindy Ruff and then fans are apologizing, you know. Um, but no, I ne- never, never would have predicted it. Um, you know, it's uh, it's been a long time coming for those guys, but it, it does show you how fast things can change. Yeah. Yep. And when you have some of those young players, how from one season to the next, the click can happen for young dynamic players like a Jack Hughes in particular, you know, who has really taken his game to the next level, had a natural hat trick the other night too. And that team's feeling it right now. We'll see if uh, the goaltending is sustainable. I have my questions there, but we shall see. Uh, Bill, great stuff as always. Um, we wish it was under different circumstances and it was a 10 game winning streak, but um, this is the hand that we're dealt right now. And we'll see when we start getting players back, maybe connecting could be back in about a week's time. I believe Lawton's probably around the same window. So uh, JVR is probably not that far off two weeks away at this point. I know his surgery was on the 28th. I want to say of October, and it was, I think six weeks from then. Um, and we'll see what happens with Cam Atkinson going forward as well. But great stuff. Rebuild stuff at PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, NHL.com, and HockeyBuzz.com. And uh, great content there, as always, and it's daily. So check that out as well. And we will talk to you tomorrow. We'll preview the Flyers at the beginning of the stand. Flyers will drop the puck coming up tomorrow night. Some calling cards in this game, too. We'll preview Flyers Islanders coming up tomorrow on a brand new episode of Flyers Day. Flyers Day.